With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Need advice? Want to know what a pro would say? Get all the answers you need from professionals in this Fox 4 podcast. Ask the experts. Welcome to another episode of Ask the Expert on Fox 4. I'm your host, Hannah Guthrie. My guest today to talk about hearts, your heart, is Dr. Prashant Katrapati. That's correct. With Providence Medical Center. That's right. Thanks so much for having me today. And I'm uh, looking forward to, you know, talking to the viewers today about all the heart health issues we need to talk about. Okay. Tell me about the worst heart you've ever seen. Yeah, you know, I've been doing this for about 10 years, and uh, I can probably tell you, you know, that I've seen hundreds of hearts that are bad, but I want to illustrate this with a couple stories I want to get across, because I think heart disease affects all of us. Um, Imagine you're a 50-year-old man, you're a software consultant, you know, executive, you come out of the shower, and um, all of a sudden you're on the floor and your wife hears a big thud, and you have this massive heart attack. So I had this patient about a couple years ago who was uh, essentially in the throes of a massive heart attack, came to our hospital, and you've all seen... You know, those times in the, you know, these TV shows where the, they're taking the paddles and shocking you. And they're yelling, cold blue, cold, cold blue. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, you know, he emergently came to Providence and, and we were able to, sh- we had to shock him about 10 to 12 times. Was um, he literally dead? He was essentially dead. And we were trying to, you know, we revived his heart every every few minutes uh, and ultimately got him to the catheterization lab. This is where we take people with emergent heart attacks to try to open up blood vessel blockages. And um, everybody has three major blood vessels in their heart. And his, two out of his three blood vessels were completely blocked. Uh, and he was essentially living off a thread, so to speak. Uh, and ultimately, we were able to open those blockages, and he did fine. But that's one of the worst hearts I've seen in my life, where he required multiple stents even to stay alive. Now, when you're shocking him, you said you brought him basically back to life several times. Mm-hmm. When you brought him back to life, did he like kind of wake up and was aware? Or? No, this this unfortunately, this gentleman, you know, when he first came in, he was not aware of anything. He was completely okay. out and passed it's probably out. Good. It's probably a good yeah. thing that he didn't feel any of this. But he was uh, intubated and in a coma for almost two to three weeks. Uh, before he went back to home to his loved ones. And, you know, a couple years later, he actually, you know, ran a 5K. Uh, So, you know, the modern medicals of modern medicine. You know, that was one of the worst hearts I've seen. Another one I I could think about is a young woman, you know, after she gave birth, uh, she was in their mid-20s, was doing okay after birth. And about, you know, two to three weeks later, began to experience worsening shortness of breath. And it came to our hospital in kind of a similar dire situation where she was essentially uh, unable to breathe, required a ventilator. um, And she had a different type of heart disease you know, rather than blockages to the blood vessels in the heart, uh, she had a weakening of the heart muscle after her pregnancy. So why do I tell you those two stories? I think it sort of helps illustrate the point that heart disease knows no bounds. You know, it can affect if it can affect you if you're young, it can affect you if you're old, it can affect you if you're black, you're white, it doesn't really matter. And so I think that's why, you know, this month when it is Heart Disease Awareness Month, it's important for people um, all around the country and the world to talk to their physicians and families to, you know, about their heart health. So the gentleman who, you know, died a few times, you brought him back. You said he later ran a marathon. Was he in shape already? Uh, he was not necessarily in, you know, the, he was an average 50-year-old guy, you know, had a little bit of high blood pressure and some okay. cholesterol trouble. He wasn't a marathon runner before, but certainly, you know, he changed his lifestyle a little bit after his second chance. So what are the symptoms of a heart attack? 
We, uh, you know, you guys have all probably heard about the normal symptoms of chest pain and chest pressure. Those are some of the more common things we see is uh, shortness of breath, uh, chest pressure or pain. You know, I always ask my patients, do you have chest pain? And a lot of them say, no, no, no. And I usually prefer that when my patients come to the office, they come with a spouse because the spouse will say, no, 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 he's having some discomfort. He's having heartburn or, heartburn, yes. you, know, yes. you know, or she's having some pain down the arm or he's complaining that, hey, every time I go up those stairs, I get more shorter breath or I'm more winded. So fatigue in women is this important uh, sort of symptom that we look for. Uh, chest pain and shortness of breath are kind of some hallmark findings uh, that we, we talk to people about. Because my husband had a heart attack and he was in his 50s when he had it, mm-hmm. but it runs in his family. But yeah, yes. heartburn. He had been on a vacation with some buddies. He thought he drank too much beer. Yes, yes. And it just, he kept taking Tums and that didn't work. Yes. Usually, you know, that's a, you've read the tech, he read the textbook apparently because right. that's what, that's what they tell us in the textbooks <laughs> is if the Tums isn't working, then there's something going on. So uh, certainly, yes, if, if you truly do have, you know, uh, heartburn symptoms that are not getting better with usual treatment, certainly maybe need to look for, look to other things such as heart disease. Now we tend to think that men get heart attacks more than women. Is mm-hmm. that true? Or is it uh, equal? I think so. In the early years of life, women are protected because uh, of their hormonal uh, um, issues, such as estrogen and progesterone. Those those hormones help protect. It protects our heart. Protects your heart before you you know have menopause. So women you know before the age of in their mid forties tend to have less uh, issues than men do. Um, but once menopause hits, you know, and once your mid forties fifties happens, you essentially have the same risk as a man. And this whole concept of women have less heart attacks than men, I think, was uh, most partially because we never studied women in in research trials in the past. In the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, there weren't a lot of women involved in these research trials. So we just focused on men. You know, and we maybe really... women don't complain as much. I don't mean that as an, I'm not bashing guys, <laughs> yes, but sometimes yes. you think women are they're more stoic, like, well, we got to keep yes. doing stuff for the family. My wife tells me I, I complain about man cold all the time. So, <laughs> uh, so yes, yes. W- women uh, tend to think about, you know, taking care of the family perhaps, or, or don't don't talk up, uh, speak up as much uh, with their physicians. But uh, uh, yes, women do tend to have the same risk of risk factors once they hit their middle ages uh, and have the same equivalent risk compared to a man. So now you said earlier that this is a big problem and it's growing. Why is it? I think if we look around and, and think about heart disease, you know, our population is aging, right? So where people are living longer. Uh, and if you live long enough, I tell all my patients at some point you're going to have heart disease. So, mm. <laughs> you know, whether that affects you and, 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 and makes you, uh, you know, uh, have weakness or any other problems, it, that's, that's a whole different story. But, you know, all of us over time develop, you know, some, some uh, heart issues. Um, why is heart disease growing? I think it's, it's the five sort of major things we'll talk about a little bit uh, as we go through this. But number one thing is high blood pressure. That's the number one killer of, of most people in this world because heart disease is the number one killer. And the major risk factor for heart disease is high blood pressure. And what causes the high blood pressure? High blood pressure is related to multiple different things. Uh, number one, it could be genetics. So if you're a young 25-year-old healthy you know, army uh, uh, man, uh, you might have high blood pressure because of genetics. Mom and dad gave this to you and you have no choice in this. Uh, other people get high blood pressure mostly because of things like um, diet. So if you have a poor diet and you're overweight, okay, things like diabetes and, init- and having kidney problems can lead to high blood pressure. So all those things can kind of, you know, add up slowly and cause uh, blood pressure. And, and all of these things we talked about, weight, high blood pressure, et cetera, they're all interrelated. You know, one begets the other. Um, so. 
So how do you deal with the weight? Because it seems like, you know, just as a society, everybody's gained more weight. Is it the preservatives and the food? What is it? Um, I think we, if I had to boil it down to one thing, we all eat too much. All of us, I should say all of us, most of us, you know, people that struggle with weight, we probably eat too much. And the question of why do we eat too much, uh, I think uh, mostly it's time and stress. You know, when you, you know, I'm a a father of two, I have a wife that works, you know, it's a lot easier to pick up pizza on the way home than to go home and cook a healthy meal. Um, And then our portions are also very big. You know, you were talking, you said you were learning French. You know, in Europe, you know, their portions are a lot smaller than they are Yeah, you think, uh, well, that's just the appetizer. It's like, no, that's the whole meal. That's the whole meal, exactly. Exactly. And whereas, you know, here, if we go to a restaurant, you, you get a whole bowl of pasta or you get, you know, the, the burger and the fries and the shake. Uh, and I think um, it's not more necessarily what we're eating. I think it's how much we're eating. I think it's also maybe the frequency, because think in the old days when you stopped at a gas station, you just got gas. Now you go in and you buy snacks. The big QT box. Yeah. Or even like if you go to Macy's, you're just shopping. and They've got like yes. candy bars for sale. So it's like yeah. everywhere you go, it's like eat. Yes. And, uh, you know, I'm sure some of your uh, listeners and viewers have kids. You ever seen a toddler eat? A toddler basically... Takes forever to eat like a Cheerio. Exactly. And toddlers are eating slowly, and and when they're done, they're done. You know, we tend to force kids to eat more and more. But a toddler knows when they're full. Most of us, with the way we've lived our lifestyle, uh, we kind of ignore our signals that that we're full. Our brain sends signals to our stomach saying, hey, you know, you're full. You don't need any more food. Uh, But we tend to ignore that because we eat fast. How many many times have you rushed from, you know, your meeting to meeting and, and, you know, uh, ate quickly? And and, and all those little things add up. Uh, But energy, you know, we have too much energy, right? We eat too much. Um, And so I tell my patients, you know, the the easiest thing to do, you know, don't worry about this diet, you know, the South Beach diet, the keto diet, the Atkins diet. There's so many diets. You know, some people say don't eat meat. Other people say just eat meat. And people, you know, people out there, unfortunately, are confused. Uh, And what I tell my patients is uh, moderation is my mantra. And I think that's the best thing for everybody is limit the amount that you're eating and, and eat small, reasonable meals. Because that's doable. If you're, if you're told you can never ever eat chocolate or cake again, that's all you're going to think about. Exactly. Okay, what about booze? Do we have to give it up? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not for the Super Bowl, but, uh, okay. uh, you know, I think booze is, is a very good question. Before, we used to think, uh, you know, alcohol or s- certain aspects of wine had some heart, you know, benefits. Now we know it's just mostly alcohol. We don't quite know the science behind alcohol, but uh, what do I mean by, you know, how much alcohol can you drink? Um, at this point, we recommend for a man no more than two drinks a day, whether that's a shot of whiskey, a glass of, you know, wine or, or you know, a bottle of beer, whatever it may be. Um, for a man, no more than two. And for a woman, no more than one. And and they, we usually do that because men on average are a little bit right. bigger than women. Uh, so that's why we have those restrictions. You know, do I tell my patients not to, you know, go out and celebrate the Chiefs win? No, you know, right. obviously th- those kind of times are, are different. But daily consumption, it should be limited to two for men and one for women. Well, how does alcohol hurt you? So alcohol, you know, obviously... The, the effects on the mind uh, right. are, are there. Yeah. You know, certainly you don't want to be making any decisions when you're drunk, but sir, alcohol can affect various parts of the body. N- number one, the liver, right? So you can get uh, liver failure because of excessive alcohol. You you know, you probably have seen patients or f- folks uh, that have had what we call cirrhosis from alcohol. Um, and alcohol can affect the brain and the nervous system. So over time, people that drink heavily can have what we call neuropathy, uh, where they're not able to walk correctly uh, or they have... Uh, 
symptoms of what we call early dementia uh, related to, you know, just forgetfulness. Uh, and this is with excessive alcohol use. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the two, two beers that one somebody might have. Um, and the last thing is alcohol can affect the heart. Um, if I may just take for a couple minutes here, this is sort of what a, a, cool what, what a, what a normal heart looks like. Um, the heart has four different chambers. And if you can imagine, if you just kind of put your two hands out together, that's about the size of a human heart. So if okay. you, it's about the size of your fist. You know, Travis Kelsey's heart's probably a little bit bigger, <laughs> bigger than mine is, uh, and yours is, but, but that's about the size of the heart. This is a little bit blown up. And the heart has four different chambers, kind of two chambers on the right side and two chambers on the left side that help pump blood, uh, you know, to the lungs and then to the rest of the body. And we talk about, when I tell my patients, you know, what is the heart supposed to be like? I tell my patients the heart's supposed to be like a gymnast. You know, it's supposed to be very nice and flexible. You know, you see gymnasts, they're very strong and powerful, right. yet they're also very flexible. That's how the human heart's supposed to be. Over time, you know, with things like high blood pressure or cholesterol, the heart can tend to turn into a bodybuilder where it's very strong, very thick, but it's not very flexible and nimble. And that can lead to problems. So Whereas flexibility keeps you alive? Flexibility right. helps the heart muscle kind of relax so blood can fill into it and then pump efficiently outwards. You okay. know, it's not just, you know, it's one thing to just pump, but if you don't relax the heart, the blood doesn't come in there and fill appropriately and blood tends to back up. And that's what we call diastolic heart failure. It's just a one type of heart failure. Uh, whereas alcohol, on the other hand, sometimes can basically make the heart like a boggy balloon. Instead of, you know, instead of having thickness to it, it can over time just expand and expand and You've seen sort of, you know, water-filled balloons. They're just kind of boggy and they don't really, you know, if you imagine the heart looks like that, it just doesn't pump well. And so excessive alcohol use can lead to heart issues as well. So So changing all of those things, can you strengthen your heart and get it strong again? Yes. So, uh, you know, I always tell my patients there's always hope. Uh, You don't have to think that uh, just because you've had heart failure or a heart attack in the past uh, that there's no hope. Um, With definitely with changes, with cessation of alcohol, so stopping your excessive alcohol, use, we have seen reversal of patients where they go from a very weakened and boggy heart to a near normal heart. Okay. Uh, similar to, uh, similarly with a heart attack as well. Remember that patient I talked mm-hmm. to you about at the beginning who almost died 12 times? Right. Well, that patient, uh, his heart was quite weak when he first uh, had these uh, issues, but over time with medications and continued care and exercise, his heart has nearly returned to a normal function. So it is, it is we can't change things. Now, when my husband had his heart attack, he had to take medicine. They said, it's for life. You miss yes. a day, you could die. Is that... I mean, it seems really <laughs> uh, we, tell, we probably tell that to patients so they don't miss a day. Right. Because once you miss a day, you miss two days and then you miss three days. Uh, and we don't want p- people to get into that habit. Uh, but there are certain sets of patients, uh, folks that have had maybe diabetes for a long time, high blood pressure for a long time, and who've had a prior heart attack or a stroke, who need about, you know, anywhere between three to six different types of medicines on average uh, that they need to take for the rest of their life. Now, um, most of us, you know, uh, probably even after a heart attack, don't necessarily drastically change our life. Like mm-hmm. our, my first patient, you know, we, we still maybe tend to eat poorly or we still tend to not exercise as much. So uh, unless you reversed everything and made yourself perfect and only ate spinach all day, uh, most of us probably will need some sort of medicine uh, over time. Because I tell my patients, you know, you had a heart attack when you're 50. That was because of everything you did from when you were one year old to your 50 years old. We can't change it all with the medicine for a year. You know, it's going to take several more right. years to kind of turn that clock around. Uh, but it is doable. There are ways with diet and exercise, we've seen that we've stopped progression of heart disease. Not, not necessarily reverse it. You know, people ask me, hey, 
I have that 50% blockage. Can I make it go to zero if I stop smoking? And I say, well, if you find that pill, let me know because I'll, I'll go in on the stock with you. We'll make a lot of money. Um, but but no, we can't reverse necessarily heart disease, but we can help stop progression of it. And I think that's what's more important is back maybe in the 80s, our, our grandparents and stuff didn't have the medications and the technology available, uh, 70s and 80s. And now we do where we can help people live a normal, healthy life into their mid-80s, really. Now you had mentioned cholesterol earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, you hear so many things about good cholesterol, bad cholesterol, and is it really that big of a deal? And mm-hmm. uh, I've talked to one guy, and he said everybody should be on a statin. Yes, what do you yes. think? Yeah, uh, everybody else should be on a statin. is probably a little too uh, aggressive, in right. my opinion. Um, I think everybody uh, should be assessed for cholesterol. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you probably turn 25 uh, to 30 years old, you should have your cholesterol checked. And people and kids should probably, you know, uh, should, should be seen by their pediatrician and talk about risk factors for cholesterol because cholesterol is not about today or tomorrow. I tell people it's a lifetime issue, right? So again, going back to the heart prop here, you can probably see there's, you know, red colored vessels and, and blue colored vessels. The red colored vessels are our arteries. Those are kind of like the plumbing uh, of the heart. Um, and over time, you've probably seen a, you know, a house. And if you looked at behind the drywall, if you looked at the pipes of a 50 year old house, you're going to see some crud built up in that house. Doesn't necessarily mean you got to gut the pipes. And the same thing kind of happens in the heart. Okay. Over time, the cholesterol plaque builds up. So is there good cholesterol and bad cholesterol? Yes. And, and cholesterol affects the heart in a sense that over time, these plaques build up and sometimes these plaques can rupture and that's what leads to that heart attack. So whether it was your husband or my patient, you know, it's these cholesterol plaques that were built up over time in these pipes that rupture that can cause problems. So they're clogging it a little they're bit. They're clogging it, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so what's the good cholesterol? What's the bad cholesterol? Um, you know, there's, uh, we talked about your total cholesterol a few right. days ago. You know, uh, there's total cholesterol. And what I tell people is, um, it's not necessarily the total cholesterol. It's kind of like the, the subdivisions of the total cholesterol, which is your bad cholesterol and your good cholesterol. Um, we need cholesterol for our body. We need it for our brain. We need it for other functions in the liver. And, and so it's- And what a, actually is it? It's a, it's a molecule based, uh, you know, fat molecule and protein molecule that is embedded in different parts of the cell. So the cell membrane, which is part of the, you know, our cells has cholesterol embedded in it. So uh, it kind of helps protect, uh, you know, things like the brain and different types of cells. And it's, it's needed for life function. And what happens is some people have, and we produce mostly the cholesterol that we need, our body produces about 80% of it. You know, the 20% else we get from diet and other things. Um, usually, uh, cholesterol is fairly normal in most people till they're about 25, 30 years old. And after that, sometimes things can get out of hand. And because it's of diet, you think? Because of diet and because of aging and because of lack of exercise and, and those mm-hmm. things. Diet doesn't necessarily affect the cholesterol too much, as I said. Mostly your body's making it. So genetically, we most of us make you know a little extra cholesterol than we probably need. And diet also you know causes the problems like diabetes can lead to worsening cholesterol problems. Um, so checking the cholesterol and treating the cholesterol will help prevent problems when you're 70 if you get it checked when you're 40 and 50. But they used to demonize eggs, like you can't have eggs because that causes cholesterol, but mm-hmm. food doesn't really cause it. Uh, no. A, a bad excess, diet. Yes, right. excess of anything doesn't cause it. A right. bad diet can lead to worsening cholesterol problems, but it doesn't cause it. There's different parts of the cholesterol, as I said. There's something called triglycerides that are that are very heavily affected by diet, okay? Uh, and, and so there's different parts of the cholesterol that can be affected by diet, but uh, it's not just food. Uh, I think definitely uh, genetics plays a 
a big role into you know how much cholesterol you make. So, so what about blood sugar and how does that affect the heart? Blood sugar is probably you know next to high blood pressure, uh, you know what we call inflammatory uh, issues, which is basically blood sugar is one of them. Um, you know our body doesn't like to have high blood sugar. Every time we eat something, you know our body releases hormones like insulin, and blood sugar tends to go out from the blood into the liver or into our fat storage. Okay, so we don't like to have a lot of high blood sugars, and people that have high blood sugars all the whole time can have what we call inflammation in their blood vessels, which leads to plaque formation and, and those, those uh, things that we talked about in the pipes kind of building up over time. So what foods should you avoid? You, 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 want, you want a list, huh? Um, yeah. Yes. Well, no. just, or maybe just give it the five worst foods you so, can eat. I mean, so, so again, I think my moder- my the, my mantra, as I told you, is moderation. Right. right. Um, anything processed, I think we should avoid. Right. Um, whether it's 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 fried and, and you know uh, it stays on the shelf for you know thirty days and and you know I tell people if you've ever left a McDonald's French fry in your car, it looks the same about a week later. Oh. Right. Yeah. You ever leave a tomato or any other vegetable in your car for you know a week, it looks completely different. You know these 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 processed foods like french fries, et cetera, um, are not good. And, and so things that are coming out of a box, microwaved meals, et cetera, you know, if you eat them once in a while, not the end of the world. But I think staying away from heavily um, uh, fried foods, you know, high sugar foods, whether it's ice cream, uh, you mm. know, flour, pasta, you know, those the things. The good stuff. The good stuff, exactly, right? right? Um, but, but that's the good stuff only because that's what most people are used to. You know, if you ask people that eat mostly vegetables, they say, boy, I love vegetables, you know. I have you no can train yourself. You, you can think train deep, yourself. Right? And, yeah. and I'll tell your viewers, I tell my patients the same thing, give yourself four weeks. If you can do something for four weeks, that's how, that's how long mm. it takes to change a habit. So uh, take four weeks and plan for it. Make meals. Uh, you'll see a completely different view. Uh, you, know, you won't even want that chocolate cookie or pasta. Uh, so four weeks is kind of what I tell my patients. So if we do what you say, what yes. you advise, we're going to have yes. a healthy heart. You, you should. Yes, you should. And I think, uh, think, about heart, think about heart disease like this. I think, you know, putting everything else away, if you can kind of focus on a few things. Number one, exercise. About 30 minutes, five times a week. Okay. Number two, sleep. We neglect sleep so much. You know, most of us sit up watching the late night shows and everything, go to bed at midnight. We're up by, you know, five thirty, six o'clock, rushing off to work. Uh, number two is sleeping. You know, exercise, number one, sleeping, number two, and then controlling your risk factors. You know, there are things that you can't control. What mom and dad gave you, your genetics, we don't have any control over that. But certainly managing yourself and going to see a doctor uh, or just checking your blood pressure. For, you know, for you can even go to CVS and just, you know, mm-hmm. use that little blood pressure cuff and check it. And if it's high, then maybe go see a doctor. Uh, but at least thinking about things that you can control, like high blood pressure, like cholesterol, like diabetes, you know, will, will definitely help improve lifespan. And I tell my patients, if you could fix things now, you'll be a lot better off when you're 70, 80, where you can live a full, healthy lifestyle with your grandkids and your great grandkids. That's the goal, right? Have you ever had anybody's arm explode from the blood pressure cuff? Because doesn't it feel like it's going to? Like, are they going to let it, you know, uh, release no, it? No, I've never seen anybody explode from the blood pressure cuff. <laughs> but it kind of hurts a little bit. And then you keep it, thinking, are it, they going to stop it, it? It does hurt, yes. What if you didn't stop it? Would your arm... <laughs> uh, well, uh, I've never had that happen. Right. That's a good good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. But right. I will tell you, uh, the blood pressure cuffs uh, are very, very good. Uh, they're Most of them function well. And, and what I tell my patients is, 
if you have a blood pressure cuff, bring it to the office. Because all people always wonder, oh, you know, if this is correct or not. Very yeah. easy way to do that or check that is just bring it to the office and I'll check it with, with my manual blood pressure cuff. We always check the patients when they come to the office. Um, and then I tell my patients the way you want to check your blood pressure is by sitting at a table just like we are here okay. today and, you know, kind of resting your arm about the level of your heart uh, and sitting there for about two minutes quietly, you know, not with the TV blaring, the mm-hmm. kids running around, et cetera, uh, but sitting there quietly and then checking your blood pressure and, and, that, and sort of writing that down and checking both arms of your, oh, of you your both arms, both arms okay. uh, and then just keeping a diary of it. And people always ask me, what's a normal blood pressure? You know, uh, and and the number we tell people, or, or if you wanted to go by the book, it's 120 over 80. So anything less than 120 over 80, we consider normal. Okay, so if it's higher than that, you should definitely you know go see your doctor. Um, you know. Um, as I said, high blood pressure is the number one cause of heart disease. I think if we can get to that at the very beginning stages and prevent long-term problems, uh, I think people can help avoid strokes and heart attacks very, very easily uh, in the long term. Uh, so, so getting your blood pressure checked when you're even when you're 25 years old, even even if you're a firefighter, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or anybody who's young, um, please get your blood pressure checked. I think that's one thing. If we can do that for everybody, uh, even in this state, uh, for heart, mm-hmm. you know, heart month, uh, yeah, that would be a success actually. So, All right, before you go, I got to ask you about this hearts. So you yes, get some hinges. Me, yes. Is this where you keep your pocket change or <laughs> this opens up? Is yes, that it does open up. Yes. So this to show is, you the, the, yes, different parts of the heart. As you can see, uh, this is the main pumping chamber of the heart, right. which we call the left ventricle. It's kind of attached to the aorta, which is the main thoroughfares, you know, or the, or the blood vessel in the body. This these are blood vessels going to the brain. Um, and so if you open this up, these are what we call the right and left chambers of the heart. Uh, and you can see the heart is very intricate. Uh, it has, um, so it really is kind of hollow like that in oh, there, yeah, a little there's, bit. There's, yeah. there's, there's there's a space in there for blood to fill uh, and different apparatus. So think about the heart like a house. The heart has walls. You know, these are the four okay. different walls. Think about plumbing. So there's plumbing There's and there's also wiring. So, uh, and then there's doors. There's doors that are like valves that open and close each time the heart muscle beats, which allows blood to only kind of flow in one direction. Um, and so any of these things can be affected by all the risk factors we talked about. So high blood pressure can lead to weakening of the hinges on the doors, perhaps, or it can lead to plaque buildup on the, in the plumbing. Uh, and so that's why it's important uh, to get those risk factors controlled and checked, because certainly any of these apparatus can, can right. get messed up. Uh, and, you know, it's not just the plumbing that we worry about the heart attack stuff. Uh, heart failure is a whole another problem. And that has nothing to do with the plumbing sometimes. It may just be because of these hinges or, or these valves or these walls becoming weaker for, you know, great many reasons. So can you do, um, plastic stuff? It's like, say if that wall goes bad, can uh-huh. you put a piece of, <laughs> can I put a new wall in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so far we've not, not drywall, <laughs> yeah. so far we've not been able to, uh, medical technology is good enough now where we can do things like bypass surgery, where mm-hmm. we can put in, you know, they can, you know, obviously they can cut your chest open and put in, uh, new veins or arteries to help, you know, bypass those blockages. We can put in stents now, which are like tiny little metal scaffolds Um, we can put in actually heart valves so this you know if you can see this let me just pull this around here so this is one of the heart valves it's called a mitral valve it sort of separates the top and uh, left and bottom left chambers and it's very important in help preventing heart failure Uh, in some people that have 
of heart valve can weaken. And in the past, we used to have to cut people's chest open. Nowadays, you can get that heart valve addressed by just a tiny little hole in the groin and people go home the next day. Wow. Now, who do you have to get that from a cadaver or is that a plastic heart valve? Uh, so, so the heart valves are made out of, uh, you know, different metals like nitinol oh, so they're synthetic? And, and, and synthetic. And, but they're also the actual valve itself is either a cow valve or a pig valve or a cadaver valve. But yes, those, those are kind of things we can do. But those are, you know, tremendous advances in technology, which we didn't have before. So what I tell people is, imagine if you just took care of yourself a little bit, right. the advances that we have these days, you know, that, that you don't even need to have your chest cut open to fix something, you know, that's as important as a valve means that, you know, you could live a good, healthy life for many years to come. And, you know, people always want to see their grandkids graduate or, or mm-hmm. you know, do do things with their wives and, and husbands uh, and travel. And I think we definitely have the ability to do that, but we have to work on focusing on obesity and high blood pressure and diabetes because those are the three big things that lead to these problems. Thanks so much for coming in. This is very interesting. So if people want to reach you, how do they do that? Because they do need that heart healthy checkup. Yes. So I, I work at Providence Medical Center. Uh, me and uh, two other physicians together, Dr. Pazner and Dr. McSwain. Uh, and our office number is 913-596-7224. Uh, so if any of you or your loved ones have any uh, heart and vascular needs, we're more than happy to help and uh, talk about it. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Join us next time for another episode of Ask the Expert on Fox 4.